Kathy Raven lives in Montana, about 30 miles from Yellowstone National Park, if you take the highway. She spent a lot of her life living in what she calls wild and beautiful places. She's been a park ranger in North Cascades, Mount Rainier, Voyagers, and Glacier National Parks. She has degrees in zoology and botany, and a PhD in biology. She says a nice thing about being out in nature is that you don't run into many people, and so you don't have to answer people's questions about your life. Questions that are hard to answer, like, why are you alone? She said, I'd been alone as far back as my memory could reach, and I saw myself alone in the furthest future that I could imagine. I really, I just didn't have an expectation that humans were going to be kind. So I just had a natural feeling that uh, there was something that I needed to just uh, be careful of. One day, she decided to build herself a small house on a large piece of land. It's tiny. Um, The house is built into the hill because it's the most energy efficient. So that it's moderate in the wintertime and it's moderate in the summer because the whole downstairs is buried into the hill except the front of it. So there's windows in the front. And the top floor is all open and there's lots of glass around. It reminds me a lot of a fire tower. I spent a lot of time in fire towers when I was working for the park service. I have a heater and a refrigerator. Sometimes I hear them go, shh, And I used to think there was something wrong. So I call the electrician to come from the city, Livingston, and then he comes down and says, oh, that is what refrigerators sound like. And um, he said, you could hear a pin drop. And I realized, you're, I mean, of course, that's how I want to live, where you can hear a pin drop. She worked at a satellite campus of the University of Montana that was inside Yellowstone. She was teaching natural history and wildlife and botany. But it wasn't stable work, and she didn't have health insurance. I was lost. I didn't want to be 40 and 50 and 60 and still floundering, not knowing what I want to do. So I I was there as a way station. It was just a stopping off point. Her house is surrounded by tall grasses, juniper bushes, thistle, and roses. And there are all kinds of animals, hawks, deer, coyotes, skunks, voles, and foxes to hunt the voles. She watched the animals with binoculars. One day... She remembers being surprised to hear dogs barking. And you never hear dogs barking, ever, ever, ever. It's, and, and you don't ever see a dog off a leash either. And so when I heard dogs barking, it was, something had to be going on. I mean, that's just, never happens. So I opened the door and stepped out to see what was happening and dogs were coming across my property. And I waited and there was, until they were really close and right right almost in front of the house, I saw this little fox was in front of them. So what they were doing was chasing two dogs, were chasing a fox. And the fox went by and just instinct, I mean, it was, I didn't think, I, it was just so, just boom, you're just 
out the door screaming, stop, stop. I st- I mean, I, I was running through cactus and the land was rough and it was getting dark and I finally had to give up when they were way ahead of me. And I came home dejected and realized it was such a stupid thing to do because how, how does that fox know that I'm not chasing him. So now he's really stressed and I've caused all this commotion. He's got two dogs he's running away from. Now there's a crazy girl and two dogs. He's running away from all three of us. She'd seen that particular fox before. He had a lighter coat, almost blonde, with a gray patch on his back. (laughs) Later that night when I went to a I look outside all the time at night just to see there's always something on your patio or your porch and sometimes it's just a mouse. And so I turned on the porch light and he was right on my steps. She says she began to sit outside more and more to see if that fox would come back. And he did. The only thing that had been constant in her life, she says, is that she was alone. But now, she had a visitor. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Kathy Raven had seen many foxes near her home before. Some had even come close to her back door. But she says they'd always been skittish, None stayed around very long. But this fox was different. It started coming around more and more. Kathy says she would often see him walking up her driveway, sunbathing on her rocks. One day, she says she was just sitting outside on her steps, and a fly landed on her knee. She was staring at it. And then the fox appeared and came very close to her. He was only my arm's length away and he had never been that close to me, and I had no expectation that he would be. So suddenly I looked up, and there's a fox. He's snaking his body towards me, swaying closer and closer, and his head is down below his shoulders. Um, he was just watching that fly, and I was watching the fly. When I realized he was that close, I looked right at him, and then he put his nose down, you can imagine if, if he kept his face up straight towards me, his snout would have kind of prevented us from seeing eye to eye. So he tilted his nose down, and of course you see the short hair on his uh, little uh, snout. And he had one little tiny piece of a mouse tail. It was hanging on his uh, lip there, <laughs> stuck on it. The fox began to arrive at 4.15 every day. Yes. And when he arrived, what would you do? I I tried to be always out there, sitting out there, waiting when he would come. And then I would let him know that I wasn't ignoring him. I would engage him in this conversation. I liked, at first, I was talking about what was going on in the world with myself, just chatting. Then I would stop like he was a student. I have a habit of counting in my head to 15 so that the students know that uh, you actually do want either an answer or at least give them time to think about it or scribble a note. So 
I would stare at him then for that amount of time, and then I would start up again. He responded to those things, so I thought I would read to him, and I picked uh, The Little Prince. She says she used to carry it with her when she went ski camping. She remembers reading it in a completely empty campground in California. And now she was reading it to this fox, and she would hold it up to show the pictures. Reading works really, it worked really well. And how far would the fox be from you when you were reading? It's only a couple of meters away from me, yeah. He he would sit pretty close. I often had the opportunity to reach out and pet him, if that's what you're wondering. I would never do that. That's just so rude. I mean, if I was with you, having lunch with you, or we were wolf-watching, you'd be close enough to me, most likely. I mean, that's just, people don't just grab each other just because they're close enough to do it, and you just don't do that. But yes, we were, we were that close. Before the fox started coming around, she says, my hobby had been worrying. But the more time she spent watching him, the less she worried. She felt as though he was becoming her first real friend. But Kathy says she was also wary. She has a PhD in biology. She's researched wild animals for many years and worked in national parks where visitors are expressly told to not anthropomorphize animals. And now she was spending her afternoons reading to one. You'd have to be really, really ignorant not to to realize that you're not supposed to be, you know, having a friend that's a fox. So I, I had that concern, and of course I knew all about the A word, anthropomorphism. And so I knew all that, and there was that struggle. And also, I had to get myself to do something that people my age and my culture and my place in the world were supposed to be doing, um, which is living in a city, looking for you know, the the partner, the spouse, and uh, the job, the reliable job, and all of that. And um, it took me a while before I was really able to, to say to myself, my best friend is a fox. Just that. Then one day, after a few weeks of these daily visits with the fox... Kathy returned home from teaching her class in Yellowstone, and the fox was nowhere to be found. He had been so regular for so many days in a row that she assumed the worst must have happened, that he might be dead. So she decided to hike up and look around his den. She'd watched him go there before through her binoculars, so she knew where to go. What I remember about his den that shocked me so much was that it was decorated with trinkets and um, things that um, I didn't think had any particular purpose except that he liked them, he wanted them. Um, People are going to say, no, no, he just eats (laughs) and he sleeps and he kills things and reproduces. But I do think that he did have a sense, look, certainly... the the, where he positioned his den, the views and the things that he looked at and the way he would stay on the rock longer when there was a pink, a huge sunset and not when there wasn't something to see. And I mean, of course, I 
can't believe that only humans are the only animals in the world that appreciate certain things. She saw part of a deer skeleton, a snakeskin, bird feathers. And she recognized things from her yard. A piece of hand-cut deer hide, a plastic seedling tub, a piece of broken blue pottery. Something that's odd and unusual and rare, we find it attractive, don't we? And I do think that he had the ability, and certainly then other animals must also have that ability to have a sense of aesthetic, something that's pleasing. A few days after the fox had gone missing, Kathy was sitting on her back patio looking through her telescope when she saw movement near its den. There was the fox, alive and well, along with four cubs. We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Shopify. If you've ever had a dream of starting your own business, Shopify can be a great place to start. Shopify is an online platform that lets you sell things online and in person and makes it incredibly easy to accept all kinds of different payment methods, figure out how to charge taxes, how to charge shipping, and get detailed, top-down views on how your sales are going. Some of your favorite brands already rely on Shopify to power their online shops, like Rothy's, Brooklyn, and Allbirds. But you don't need to be well-established to use Shopify. They'll help you at every stage of your business and have tools to help people who are just starting out, like their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic, or their built-in marketing tools that can help you create and analyze campaigns. Shopify grows with your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash thisislove, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash thisislove now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash thisislove. Kathy Raven says that one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to her was when the fox appeared very close to her house with the four fox cubs. When he brought his little kits down to my house one night. That was the most spectacular. Um, I'll say, since I know your podcast has the word love in it, and love isn't a word that I like to use very much because it's such a meaningless word in general, but um, trust is something that I understand. And when he brought his little kits right down in front of me at night, That was the most significant, that was the closest, if you're going to ask me about love, that's the closest thing that I have in my mind, because it's trust. And to have another living thing trust you that much to, like, leave his little babies off with you, uh, that's amazing. That was a huge amount of trust. And then I realized that the fox was so different from me and that I was living alone. He must have thought I was a dope. And it's not a smart thing to just not have any friends and always be alone. 
I think maybe I imagined in the beginning that it was just the two of us, but it wasn't. He had lots and lots of other animals that helped him along in his life that he took care of, that he relied on. He helped feed those kids. He, he spent a lot of time taking care of those kids, bringing them food, all kinds of food back to the den. There were magpies that he interacted with, and on that not thinking that he maybe he liked the deer very much, but there were often deer in his den. So um, he interacted with other animals. And anyway, he didn't live alone. So he had a better life, quality of life than I did. And uh, maybe part of it was because he, he wasn't alone all the time. She went into Yellowstone to teach a special course, a field class, and would be traveling through Yellowstone for a week. On the last night of the class, she was in Mammoth, Wyoming, giving a lecture in the auditorium. A ranger who she knew waited for her outside, and when she was done, he told her that he'd heard on the radio that her road was closed due to an evacuation order. There was a wildfire. She wouldn't be able to go home. It had been very dry, and she was hearing that there were 55-mile-per-hour winds blowing through. She checked into a motel to wait. The fire burned 14,000 acres. More than 500 people worked to put it out. When she was finally able to return home, her house was smoky, but unharmed. She saw that the fox's cubs had survived the fire, but there was no sign of the fox. A firefighter told Kathy... He might have seen one head towards the river, but he couldn't be sure. When there's a fire, the firefighters, I should have known because I was a firefighter, you're, you have to account for all of, not just the people, but all, all of the beating hearts that are owned, licensed, leased in, the, in a particular fire zone. So cattle matter, and dogs matter, and cats matter, even goldfish matter, because they're, they belong to somebody. But when there's a wildfire, the wildlife, they are left to their own devices. She never saw the fox again. She kept looking out for him, just in case. If I was lucky, my mind would perform tricks, she says. Becoming attached to an animal is risky, but it's more risky having a, a friend that's a wild animal because you have no control over their livelihood and their, their health. So it, there is more of a, of a risk that you're, the risk is that you're going to be hurt sooner and more often um, with the wild animal because we don't have that control because they will have a shorter life and the risk is that there's going to be the hurt and uh, the, the, the pain and the, the sad, amazing sadness when they disappear on you. Do you still go out and sit in your chair in the afternoons? Well, now I have a, um, a skunk that is uh, fairly, uh, that I keep an eye out for, and he has a little bit of a different uh, schedule. But I'm still outside all the time looking for whatever. I, uh, I like to know who's doing 
what to whom, who's having babies. And uh, it's still my community. The magpies were gone for a couple of years because the blackbirds came. Now the magpies are back. I'm glad I had missed them, but the thumping on the roof has um, started and the golden eagles are very were very prolific this last year, so um, they are everywhere. Kathy says she recently went to see an author, Richard Powers, read at a bookstore. She said she saw people there who she knew, and that she sat in the front row and enjoyed herself. She sees more people now. At first, she says, it was bad, really hard. But then she invited an acquaintance to join her on a trip to the Everglades, She's made friends with a couple she met in Yellowstone. She says they recommended she watch Downton Abbey. And then they invited her to meet them in Mount Rainier, and she went. They're planning to take another trip together soon. In fact, she said, I like people very, very much. She's teaching college biology and wrote a book about her friend. It's called Fox and I, An Uncommon Friendship. What's your favorite image of the fox? <laughs> Those when he looked at me, when he, when he knew enough to put his nose down so that we could see eye to eye. He could have tried to hold his dominance. He has a lot more sharp teeth than I do. He could have just looked at me with his nose towards me. That's his dangerous part. But when he put his nose down, I remember him turning his nose down, making us eye to eye. I'll never, ever forget that. That's my image. It's just locked forever and ever and ever. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sojiko, and Libby Foster. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.